Hello, and welcome back to Sunday School at Modern Mystic Shop. I am podcast co-producer Georgie Harris, and this week it is my distinct pleasure to introduce our shop co-founder and all-around wealth of knowledge, Brandon Knight. In this talk, Brandon delves into the vast world of spiritual non-religious practices and gives an excellent overview of how we work on ourselves to perform the work we want to see in the world. This talk is really valuable and will be helpful to both experienced folks and people who may be new to the podcast. So without further ado, it is my pleasure to introduce to you Brandon Knight with Spiritual Self-Development. Hi, everybody. So this is kind of a cool subject for me because I find it interesting that spiritual non-religious is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing new way of uh, believing about ourselves and experiencing our environment and everything around us. But we don't have any definitions in that world. We don't have any structure, right? We don't have any way of, of really navigating that space. It's kind of a, a free, willy-nilly kind of, kind of thing. It's like, you know, very easy to gain spiritual identities in it. Very easy to, to really pump up the spiritual ego without any exploration of self in it. Um, kind of what this new way of being calls us to do is to let go of the structures we had when we were little because it's so free-flowing, right? There's so many different ways you can choose. You can go into Santeria, you can go into voodoo, you can go into just plain old hedge witching, you can go into uh, understanding crystals, you can go into depth psychology and, and gestalt therapy, you can go into somatic therapy, you can combine them all, and there's so many different ways that you can transform yourself with all these understandings that are not attached to any kind of deity. And deity work can be a part of this too, and that's the great thing, you know, amazing thing there. And so what I'm going to introduce to you today is the concept of, of how kind of like the landscape that we're going toward, what I like to call the field that we approach whenever we approach the spiritual non-religious big, big space. Because there is a way of engaging this space that is different than what you're probably used to from a religious background. Right, and from what we've always understood as a structural background that, that we were raised in, that we're put into boxes and defined and concretized things. And what I mean by concretized is somewhere in our psyche we said life has to be this way or life is this way. That table's solid, this, this chair is, is metal so it's gonna be sturdy for me or you know, different things like that. We, we're going to have to understand in the spiritual non-religious realm that we can remove the glue from our beliefs. Things don't have to be set a certain way in this new way of being. We can literally be fluid and maneuver into a reality that we actually get to choose as opposed to one that's already defined for us. Sounds a little heady, but let me go into it just a little bit and then maybe you'll get an idea. Now, for those on the podcast, we're going to be uploading a file that will have um, all the pages of the presentation I'm doing live, but a lot of these concepts that I'm going into kind of have to be visualized in order to be fully understood. So I brought out the, um, uh, the projector today, and I'm going to go through it with everyone that's, that's live, and then you'll, you all will be able to see the pages online. So I've taught this class several different ways. Um, it's kind of a blueprint for spiritual self-mastery in a way, the course that I do. Um, but we're only going to do an hour's worth. This is more like a three-hour class. So we'll probably only get to like maybe the third slide, but that's going to be plenty enough for you to understand what's, what's happening. So, um, so up here is, is God right here, right? So the concept of God according to Kabbalah is 
the will to bestow. And the will to bestow is something that is altruism, or let's say that it is the constant giving, the constant filling up. And so what this is is a realm that we can't understand. It is an energy that is always creating. It is always, it's a cosmic force that is always developing planets, stars, even the void. Everything you can imagine or think of that is in creation comes from an energy source, right? It has to. So the best way that we can conceptualize it as far as words or as far as an understanding of what is in existence is complete and total creation at all times. And what that means is that that realm right there never needs. It always gives. And it's hard for us to understand because we're born into, war, into the world needing. We're born into the world needing breath, needing food, needing sun, needing friendship, needing comfort. We're born in the world needing all kinds of stuff. So that's why it's so hard for us to understand this up here. We really have a very hard time with that. But the good news is, when it comes to transformation work and when it comes to different things, that there's a plan. Down here is the earth where we are. Just for a visual illustration, right? And down here is we're born into the will to receive or, or uttering complete narcissism. I mean, the very first thing you think of when you're a baby is all about what you need. You can't even fathom what it is another person needs. So you're born into narcissism. You're born into the uttering complete will to receive. The evolution is to get more and more up toward here, right? This is the ultimate divinity. This is the ultimate energy that we can constantly bestow, constantly give. I don't know if you've ever met someone who has done a shit ton of spiritual work on themselves, but they have an energy, a force about them that they can constantly move and constantly give. I've been in workshops and weekends with gestalt therapists who have worked themselves for 30 years in energy work and uh, psychology work, and they'll work 16-hour days on people going through movements, exhausting, just completely heart-rending things for other people, but they just move through it like it's water. And it's because they have started to develop themselves. They started to move from the will to receive and constantly getting there, right? They've focused on themselves so much that they've met so much of their needs that they've started to move up this ladder to get more toward here where they can constantly give, if that makes sense. So these are the realms in between what is the will to bestow versus the will to receive, right? The Kabbalah says there's seven, like, humongous realms. Each one of these realms are supposedly broken down into many realms within there. And I tend to agree with the Kabbalah. This is kind of cross-cultural, right? A lot of different cultures think this way. Egyptian symbology and all kinds of Kemetic, they, they start to get into this too. The different realms in between the constant giving energy versus the constant receiving energy. And so this is kind of where we came from because we were created from this cosmic force, right? The energy of all. And these different layers only denote the difference between the will to bestow to, to the, from the will to perceive. So say, for instance, right up here at the top is your celestial beings, right? Celestial beings like angels or whatever you want to define your mind as, the celestial energies, solar power, lunar power, the big planets, you know, they start, they start to be right in here. But the big celestial gods and the big celestial energies that we have a hard time even comprehending are right here, right below the will to bestow. And then you can move down and you can see the differences, right? And maybe right in here is the more demonic divine, like, um, uh, 
like Delapatore and different th and different folks like that. They're, they're very, very powerful beings, and they're going to be right in here. But notice, understand the spirit world is more fluid than what we think. Even if we think of, um, your, you have to kind of let go of your Christian understanding of the spirit world, because the Bible told you so isn't it. It's what you experience, right? And in people's experience who have worked with this for a very, very long time, even things that we label as demons, even things we label as spirits that are not that great to work with or whatever because somebody else said so, those people say, hey, you know what? They're actually more evolved than we are because they're right here on the scale. That makes sense. Very, very powerful beings that can bestow, that can give you energy, that can give you support for your life, that can help you transform. But see, when Christianity came, we demonized everything. And when I say demonized, I mean that we really put everything on the chopping block that wasn't Christ. And we said, it's all bad. Everything from the old African gods, right, that gave people amazing spirit, that gave people this, this amazing integral understanding that they are gods as well and to rise them up and allow them to be these beautiful, graceful, amazing people, we said, that, hey, that's, that's bad. Even the name Satan is attributed to a god that is pre-Syrian, that is uh, a being of light, right? Before Christianity came along and said, hey, that's bad. And so understand that everything that you experience in the spirit world, it actually has a lot more wisdom and a lot more power than you do in these realms, and is capable of more benevolence. Even if it's in your mind, according to the Christian gods and Islam gods, bad. It actually has more benevolence than we do. And capable of more giving because it's above the realms of narcissism and the will to receive. They've evolved past that. So anyway, that's, that's kind of a soapbox. We'll go on. So the point is to do this right here on this side. Go from narcissism to altruism. All right. And once again, these are just words that I can describe the best that I possibly can. Narcissism to altruism, that's the way that a seventh generation Kabbalist described it on YouTube. <laughs> so I'm going with him. I think he has a pretty good understanding of it, and I, I agree with that. I think that that's a good way of framing it in words, if that makes sense. So that's kind of, this is the field you're approaching. When you go to transform, when you go into the spirit world, when you go to want a different life and a better life, right? The very first place that you go, and this is uh, the first class I'm going to be doing in my new class, is ancestors. Because ancestors hang out right here, right? They're our closest, closest thing to this world. They're the very first entry point. That's why every culture on the fucking earth does ancestor work. I can't think of one that doesn't. Our ancient moorings are to do ancestor work. Why is that? It's because it's fucking right here. Look at that shit. It's the very first encounter. So this is our gateway. This is our door to, for us to start to have some gratitude for the basis of our being. Have some gratitude and some openness to receive when we sit in front of our altar that is dedicated to our ancestors that anchors that primal current, that energy into our lives so that we can use it for transformation, so that we can move forward. Does that make sense? So it's the very first concept of a working altar in your space that you can receive from and you can also give gratitude back to. That's a proven fact that gratitude changes your life. So is there a physical representation of something in your life that you can give gratitude to, that you can actually set in front of and not have to imagine or make it a practice because that's so fucking hard? Please, let's get real. 
You're going to be grateful all day long? Try to hold on to that. Good luck. That's not going to happen. Life happens. And that's okay. We, we're allowed to have real human experiences. We're allowed to get mad. We're allowed to get angry. But there needs to be a place where we say, this is sacred. This is where I come. And I give gratitude and I receive. And I allow the blessings to flow over me. And I believe in them. And I allow my ancestors to reach me even more than what they could without this altar anchored in my life. And so we're going to go into depth work in that in, in the, the free course. I hope some of the people are coming to that. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a super, super cool study. So let's talk about it a little bit. I have the little globe up there because of, this is what represents, in Kabbalah anyway, the force of creation. So the force of creation is something that created. The force of creation is what happens when things get created. There is an energy behind it. Just like, you know, we understand the Big Bang, we understand different things like that. There is a, a force release whenever something is created. When you give birth to a child, there's a force release, there's a palpable energy to it. And there's an energy to everything that's ever been created. And so the idea is that the force of creation gives way to the force of development. So bear with me just a minute. This is, this is kind of deep. But put on your thinking hats and follow me just for a second. So this is the force of creation up here that was... Come on in. Have a seat. That was the force of creation that was, that was made whenever we started to give birth to things, whenever things started to happen from that altruistic place. Then it gave way to the force of development, right? And so what you can do is the force of development takes advantage of the force of creation so that you can transform. Once we have something, we cannot taste it anymore, prodding us on. So let's talk about that a little bit, and I'll cover this more in the next slide. But think about it for a minute. Think about something you always wanted. Man, I want that so bad. Oh, God, I've got to have that. And then what you have is like, eh. Don't really give a fuck about that. It doesn't matter anymore. Right? Think about it. I want that guy so bad. I want that girl so bad. Or I want that house so bad. And then once you have it, the house can have some longevity to it. You can build into it. But it's like, oh, yeah, i got the house now. That big, big energy of want's not there anymore. Right? So what is that? That's part of the force of development kicking in. See, there's an energy that drives us. There's an energy that always wants us searching for more. It's an emptiness that gets created. And the emptiness has to be filled somehow. And it's filled by wanting to taste the next thing up. That's why once you have something, you kind of like, eh. It's because it isn't the end game. It's just your desire. That's it. And your desire is a big, big part of the force of creation and force of development because it's an energy that gives birth to things. Me and Kelly wanted to give birth to the store, and so it's here. It created a lot of force of creation and force of development to do that, right? To transform the space, to fill it with things that have good energy, to work on ourselves enough to be able to contain the money that's possible and necessary to support it all all these different things to educate ourselves to the point where we can get here. There's a lot of force of creation, force of development there. And now that we have it, right, it isn't so much that it's like, eh, it's like, well, we got it now. Like that impetus is not, the big drive is, is not there. Like it was when you wanted it when you didn't have it. Does that make sense? It's that way with everything. And so when you move down, this natural state of force leads to us to desire to feel the next state above it. And that's what I'm talking about. 
This is the force that starts to drive us toward transformation. This is the emptiness that everybody feels is like, oh, I feel like I have a purpose in my life. I don't know what it is. I don't know how to reach it, right? And you go into the spiritual non-religious thing, and you kind of bounce around. You're like, ah, fuck, I'll take a go into Reiki, or no, I'll, I'll, I'll go into tarot reading, or no, ah, ah, ah. You know, it kind of just, you kind of just float in all this soup, and you try to gain stories off of Google about it. And it's like, oh, how can I weave this together for myself as a purpose? What can I do in order to really start to transform everything and move forward? And so when it comes to that, right, all you're doing is feeling your natural need to move to a higher state, to move into a state of spirit. You're wanting to taste the next thing that's above wherever you are. And so now we're going to go into what that actually looks like. So you can see up here, right, is the realm of God, the delivering force of all things. Then when you start to move into things, there we are as a human. So in order to understand what it is that we're doing with that whole, like, losing the flavor of things, losing the taste of things, right, we have to understand what is in us. What makes up a human being? What the heck is going on up here? So you notice there's five little holes in that box. Those are our five senses. According to the Kabbalah, that's all we are, is a box of five senses. <laughs> that's all we got. We got five senses to maneuver in this world and to figure things out with. Right? Now, we're born into a state, and I'm going to go into a little bit of Toltec wisdom here. We're born into a state where things are clearly defined for us. No matter who you are, what culture you're born into, what socioeconomic status, things were defined for you. Your uncle up the road said, hey, man, women are this way, men are this way, right? And then somebody, a parent may have said, you know, this is what you got to do around money. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to do this. This is what religion is. You got to believe this about God. You got to believe this about, about uh, what it is to be in family, you know, all these different things are defined. All these different things open up and they start to be defined in this little box that we have. We start to perceive them through our five senses, right? And start to make this little um, story out of them. And we create our lives from those stories. There's a really good book, and I mentioned it in the last podcast, but it's uh, called Sapiens. And I forgot the author's name. I had it written down on, on my last presentation, but, but just look up Sapiens. And he goes into detail there about how the human race was never really meant to go beyond 150 people gathered at a time. It was very hard for us to get past that 150 mark. The thing that allowed us to do it was our ability to tell stories and believe in them. So see, your belief is the biggest driver of the stories. And so we started telling ourselves, hey, we can go beyond 150. Let's build this structure. That structure will hold. And we started telling ourselves stories about how things are built and how they can be put together. And if we cut down this tree and put it this way, then it'll do this. And we started experiencing and believing and telling ourselves greater and greater stories. And the stories started to build. And so now we have megalopolises and, and complete societies off of these stories that we built. Right? So that is the evolution of, of, of who we are is the stories and our belief structures. And that's what's contained in the little box here, right, from what we were told as a child really is. And yes, our experiences influence it a little bit, okay? So we'll go into it a little, a little bit. So what's in that box? And the box is a lot of stories that were developed when we were children. 
a lot of structures that were developed when we were children. And remember at the beginning when I said that the call to this, to this walk of spiritual non-religious is to actually start to develop our own structures as adults. What we have to do is shed the structures that, we, that were developed for us when we were children. That is a hard process. That is not easy. It is a life work for a lot of people unless you encounter the right teachers, unless you really get desperate about it and say, whoa, I've got a real big problem here. I'm never going to evolve in my lifetime unless I really seek out the real deal, unless I really seek out what can really change me. And you fall to your knees and pray to your guides, pray to whatever team you've got in the spirit realm, pray to your ancestors and say, give me teachers. Give me people who can show me what's up. That's what I had to do to start to evolve past a lot of the structures and the stories that I had. And it took me 15 years of work to get to the point to where I could even start to teach things like this and hold the energy for it and contain it for people. Right? But that's what you have to do is start working the stuff that's right in here. Now, what's happening is, the re this is the reason why. This is what happens. So, a spirit being will come from, from the realms Right? And they're around us all the time. I mean, the tables around us are 99% space. But we knock on them as if they're hard. Right? Why is that? It's because this is a spirit being, actually, and we just perceive it as a table. There's no other explanation for that. If this is 99% space, but we perceive it as solid, and we, and we experience it as solid, it's just because we have agreed upon reality about a spiritual being. That's it. And so the lesson that it gives us is, I'm a table. Because of this junk right in here. So a spirit being comes along and says, hey, I've got something to show you. I've got something to teach you. I want you to evolve because it helps me evolve too. That's another secret is every spirit being that's in the realms evolves when we evolve. And so it's their job to come down here and say, man, evolve. Hey, I've got something to show you. But then they approach us and we get scared shitless. We're like, oh my God, spirit being. Oh God, because there's no culture around it. There's no confirmation bias. Right, that supports what it is to encounter the spirit realm in our modern world. In our modern world, we don't have the shaman to go to and say, hey, you know what? I saw this thing right before I went to sleep last night that looked funky. It was by my bed. Can you tell me more about it? Try to tell me something, but I couldn't hear it. The shaman would say, yes, I could tell you all about that because I knew it was going to, it was going to visit you that night because shamans have trained themselves how to see in the realms. They understand it. They understand the spirits because they live there, right? And so you go to them as teachers. And then they can tell you all about it. But see, we've lost our shamans. Our shamans don't exist anymore. We've lost our villages. The modern realm has taken over. And so now we have to go back to uh, really seeking out the people who, who understand this stuff and can research it well and can embody it and experience it and therefore give you the experience as well. Can contain themselves. So the spiritual teachers, it doesn't matter what they know. And I've said it before in other podcasts. It only matters what they can share with you in an energy, what they can pull you forward with. Right? Because if they just share what they know, it's a bunch of bullshit. It's still the trained shit that you have when you're a little kid. But if you have the energy and the being that's been transformed and the experience in the spirit world, then they can kind of tell you about what this thing is trying to say. Because when it encounters us in this state, and we have all these patterns and all these stories and structures that our parents gave us, the spirit world's bad, or it's not Jesus, you've got to watch out, that's a demon, or you know, whatever it may be, right? You start experiencing it very, very limited through these five senses. You can't even interpret it or make, make an understanding of what it is because all you have is your five senses. You haven't trained yourself into your sixth sense yet. A mastery of that is completely different. 
A mastery of that requires a different interpretation of your entire reality, right? And so the five senses is usually all we have. And so the spirit being comes and we can't even interpret it properly. And some of us have a really good sixth sense where we can actually see the beings or we, we know that they're coming or, or we can hear them or different things like that. And, and we're sensitive beings. And that's the reason why we're in the spiritual non-religious a lot of times, because we have different experiences in what they tell us in church. And so what happens is the spiritual being comes, but we only have a partially developed sixth sense. And so we can't make the full, the full understanding. It gets misinterpreted or we get scared or, or different things like that. We don't understand the full thing that it's trying to convey to us. And so then becomes our perceived reality. That's why this is ultra important that you understand that we've got to unwind this because that perceived reality thing all comes from the spirit world. The spirit world's acausal. What that means is the, the, uh, the law of cause and effect doesn't apply there. And so it can come down and do whatever it wants, essentially, and it is the thing that always causes. It's the thing that always creates. And so from there becomes our perceived reality through our five senses and our programming. And that's why understanding this is very, very important. So let's get into that a little bit and see how it plays out. So the very first thing that we have when it comes to understanding this, right, beyond the general psychology, beyond the stories that, that we talk about, is our desires. So our physical desires while we're on this earth, the very first one that we need is sex, shelter, and food, right? That's the very first thing that we need when we're born to start to become a human being. We need to have closeness with people. We need to have comfort. That's represented in, in sex, but you don't have to take it in a sexual way. But sex, shelter, and food. That's the three main desires that we have once we start to understand our desires, right? And so what we have to do is we have to consciously move through that desire with an understanding of what's right here. So if I approach, say, for instance, shelter and food from an understanding that I've got to get it no matter what and I'm not an evolved being and I haven't studied myself any, then I start to maybe kill people for this, Right? I start to maybe take advantage and manipulate people for this. I start to, to do all kinds of things around my desires when it comes to this. But see, once we have this, if we move through it in a conscious way, we move through it in a way that has a little bit of evolution to it, right? And we understand that we're taken care of and that we're okay and that we can move through it. Once this is satisfied in a way in the body where we feel safe around it, we feel safe around that desire, it's like, okay, I've got comfort. I've got physical comfort, I've got shelter, and I've got food, and I'm okay with that. Then we can move on to the next desire and evolve, which is wealth. So that's an interesting one right there. A lot of us have a big problem with wealth coming into this spiritual non-religious view. And that's a carryover from Christianity. It has nothing to do with, with the spiritual non-religious realm. The pious devotion to poverty is an outdated, outmoded, and Christian thing. It's not one of these things that, that was ever made up by any of, of the spirit realm or the force of creation. The force of creation is full of abundance. It creates realms and universes. I mean, that's rich in its ultimate design. And so wealth is something that, that we understand as a concept. See, wealth, in or, after you become okay with this right here, then you have to become okay with this. Somewhere along the way, you've got to say, okay, 
I'm okay with wealth. I've got my bills taken care of, and I'm paid, and everything's fine. I feel good about my money, and I feel powerful about my money. And once that desire is satiated, and this is what I'm pointing out. This is what explains the satiation aspect. Remember how I talked about we lose the taste of it once we have it? These desires have to be satiated in a way that you lose the taste of them. Think about that for a minute. I'll, you lose a taste over sex, shelter, and foods. Like, oh, I got it. I'm good. Don't, don't, I don't have the drive to want it so much anymore. And then when you move into wealth, right? As long as the drive for wealth is removed, then you can't evolve past it. But the drive, the need to taste wealth, has to be removed it has to be satiated. You have to have it so much that you're satiated with it. It's like, oh, okay, I got money. I'm good. I don't have to obsess over this anymore. I don't have to drive after it anymore. Once that's done, then you can evolve into power. You'll never reach power without satiating wealth. And I'll go into why here in just a minute, but it goes back to that simple, simple thing. If you can't taste it, you can't satiate it. You'll always be chasing it. And this is causing us to evolve, and I'll get to how here in just a moment, but our desires and our ego actually causes us to evolve. It's one of the biggest uh, factors of evolution. It's how the force of development actually moves in our life. It moves through the ego. It moves through desire. Ego and desire are synonymous. And so once you have power enough to the point to where it's satiated, you no longer want to exert yourself or... You no longer want to have more power. And what I mean by power is influence, right? What kind of impact are you having in your life? Because that's a big one, right? I really still want this one right here. I want power in the sense that I want impact. I want to impact people's lives, their hearts, their minds in a very real way. And see, that's, that's power, and so I haven't tasted that well enough yet, and so I'm still wanting it. So that's about where I am is power. Like, I'm in between wealth and power here. Speaking from a personal, as a personal example, to get, show you what power is about. Power is not just about ruling people. Power is about your influence in life. Power is about having that to the point where it gives you satisfaction. Like, you have so much influence and you have so much purpose and you have so much care about what you're doing in your life that it satiates you. It's like, oh, I've got that. You know, I've reached millions of people with what I have to say and what I have to do, and I'm satisfied. Or I've reached the hundreds of people in my community or whatever it looks like for you, but that desire has to be satiated before you can move on to it. And the last one is knowledge. I can't even conceptualize that one because I haven't reached it yet, although I dig in knowledge all day long. I read as many books as I possibly can. But these are all the physical desires you have while on the planet right now. So these are physical desires that, that are part of the force of development, right? So these cause you to move and evolve as human beings through all of this, through wanting to taste the next place up, right? So once you have impact, once you have influence the way that, that satiates your soul, that satisfies you, then you can move into knowledge. Then you can move into, oh, man, what do I not know? 
how can I fill this big void of now that I have impact? Can you imagine Dwayne Dwyer, for instance? He had so much impact and so much purpose that power was certainly satiated for him. So on his way out, I'm sure he was all wrapped up into knowledge. I'm sure his, his love of the morning was reading his books. I'm sure his love of the morning was, and I can't speak for sure, I haven't read his biography or anything, but a man like that who had so much impact, right, his power was satiated. So he started moving into other evolutions. The ultimate evolution is to move beyond knowledge, right? And what is beyond knowledge? What is, what is the ultimate goal? I can tell you the most powerful force, and, and this is something that's said in Christianity and, and other religions worldwide, but it's also true in the spiritual non-religious world. The most powerful force that we have is the desire that drives us, that is love is the impetus. And this is why. It's because our evolution is based on desire. What is the ultimate desire that we all have? I mean, the, the desire that that completely drives us beyond all other desires. It is a desire to love and to be loved in a very, very deep and meaningful and satisfied way. I'm not talking about just, just young love or just even the love that you share with a spouse, although that can go very deep and teach you so many things. I'm talking about a love that is cosmic, a love that reaches beyond and overflows into almost everyone that you see and meet and greet. A love for life, a love for yourself, and a love for others. A very deep, deep meeting of that experience. That is the ultimate desire. And that is born, the ultimate born, of force of development, force of creation that allows us to move through all of this. Right? In a very pure way. And what this causes is the sixth sense to be developed. If you truly start to go into these desires and work through them with a knowledge of this, with people who can resource you and a community that can unpack this and help you unpack what's in the human state, right? And then you take that consciousness and start to move through your desires and start to truly satiate these desires, then nothing will be in the way of you experiencing this right here. It will be a wide open plane. And you will be able to start to develop a real understanding and view of what this is right here. Oops, too far. So what happens is this sixth sense gets developed. Right, and then you start understanding and seeing this for what it is. The spirit beings start to make sense. Your love starts to encompass them and draw them in as opposed to your fear because you've moved through your desires. You've moved through it all, right? And so I'll explain this a little bit better. I thought I had an arrow up there. But in between, when you start to unpack this, then you start to understand what's down here better. That's the reason why you need to start unpacking this first so you can start unpacking your desires because what's in between sex, shelter, and food is self-worth and wealth. You have to answer the question of self-worth before you ever get to the point to where you can start to have wealth. If self-worth isn't, in, uh, isn't really started to be unpacked up here, then you're never going to evolve. You're going to stay in here your whole life. You never satiate these things. And then you move in between wealth and power. What is that? Who am I? 
You start to really develop who and what you are. You start to understand the being that you are that's beyond the training that you had when you were little, the, the little things that you were packed into when you were small, right, and how life has been defined for you. The potentiality of the human being has yet to be even scratched. And I know sorceresses that can control the weather and heal cancer. And they're at the beginning and the precipice of the evolution of mankind. Think about it for a minute. If I know people like that in this lifetime, then what is really, really beyond it? What does it mean to walk the world? What does it mean to actually unpack yourself to the point to where neutrality comes in, acceptance comes in, and the ultimate desire for love and life starts to encompass and consume you? Then you become a being that is likened to a god, where you impact everyone you meet, you draw them in, and then everything starts to overflow, and you change them just by your very presence. There are gurus that are close to it, sorcerers that are close to it, right? They can touch you and change your entire body. That's all it requires is a touch from those kind of people. And you can feel it wash over you, and they can heal you. They can do all kinds of stuff. They aren't on TV. You don't have to be. They just help out the people that are in front of them. And they understand their purpose. They've already moved through their desires. They don't feel the need to go on TV because they've done this conscious work. Does that make sense? But I've met those kind of people. I've met the shamans that can do it. And so they really have understood who and what they are compared to their programming. They've worked through that. And so they have real power and real impact and real influence the way that they need it. And then they moved into the state of knowledge and the state of understanding spirit. Right? So... What do I really know is, is what you have to answer in between power and knowledge. You start to understand there's a vast, vast chasm there. And so your hunger to taste the next plane from power starts. And then you get into birthright. What is your birthright? What do you understand about your purpose, your impact, your power? And your love for life, your love for self, your love for others. And that leads you to the true understanding of the self that sixth sense and your ability to understand reality and then pick out the spiritual beings that are trying to talk to you and actually invite them in with love and understanding and a sense of self and a sense of power where you can actually benefit from them as opposed to having all the programming around them. If you notice, the cool thing about it is all of these contain the last desires before them. So sex, shelter, and food is contained in wealth, so that's sex, shelter, and food, the mastery of that is wealth. If I have wealth, I have all the sex, shelter, and food I want. If I have power, I have all the wealth I want. If I have knowledge, I have all of these that I want. Very interesting stuff. And of course, this contains the penultimate of them all, this desire and this ability to create something that can perceive realities as opposed to just accepting the one that you've always had. So go into this a little bit. Now that I actually, I pass this out as, as something that we had before. But if you look at this, we will go into input and output. Right, so you have divine feminine, divine masculine. How much time have we got? 15 minutes, okay. Let me go back to that last one. I opened it up for discussion because this is where a lot of questions are, and a lot, of, a lot of understanding that has to be born. So, does anybody have any questions at this point? Yes. 
Sure. And so um, Kirsten asked about why we start in, into wanting love first, right? And wanting knowledge and wanting to know and grow more and wanting power before we want uh, sex shelter and food and wealth. And it isn't so much that um, we don't want sex shelter and food and wealth first. It's that we're unaware that we want it. That makes sense? We come into this world with no understanding of how to unpack the self because self-psychology isn't really accepted in the West. Um, I, I don't know of anywhere that it's fully, fully adopted as, as you know, um, as a culture. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't teach our children to experience themselves and understand their desires and their feelings and their motives before understanding everything else. And we kind of confuse the sex part, which is comfort, right? Body comfort and the, and the need for closeness with love. And so that gets lost in our psychology and it kind of swims around. And so we kind of think we want this, but the first thing we were born wanting is those things because those are the things that actually take care of our being first. We're just unaware that our drive and our need, right? It, that's the first thing that it encounters. We think it encounters these other things because in the West, once again, it's a privilege for us, right? We have, we have our sex, shelter, and food taken care of. And even, even the poorest among us a lot of times save homeless children and whatnot in our country right now have more than the people in third world countries. And so we have more sex, shelter, and food here and wealth than a lot of other countries in the world. And that's why in the West, when we're born into that, we kind of think we want all this, right? But the problem is as we grow and we become adults, we start to develop our own lives. We grapple with this as we get older because we have no clue, right? Where all this is in our lives and what the process is around it. We aren't taught. We aren't taught about wealth. We aren't taught how to, how to handle the energy of money and what it means and how to contain it and how to grow it and how to build it. That's a secret that's kept to the wealthy rich here, right? And so when we get older, we start desiring this. We're like, oh, fuck, I'm on my own. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I have no way to provide for myself. I, I actually need this. And so we drop this when we get a little older and we start going back to this. <laughs> we're like, I got to take care of myself. So uh, it one, runs in a reverse process because of our culture for one, right? But for another, we are unaware of our desires here. We don't know what it is we want. Did that answer your question? Any other questions? Yes, Alma. Sure. No, by no means. So what happens is, kind of like what I was telling Kirsten, you become unaware of what you want. So when you're born into wealth, and you have mega wealth, you know, like, let's take a good example be Donald Trump, right? So Donald Trump is one of the most unevolved beings I've ever seen in my life. He's, he, um, he's unaware of himself, unaware of his desires, he's unaware of the shitstorm that he's in and that he's building and that he's the center of it. He kind of thinks it's everybody else's fault, you know, all these things. He's just a very unevolved human being. And so in that, what you have is somebody that was born into wealth, right? And all that means is that they were born under the right star sign and the right fate to be able to transmute that kind of existence. It has nothing to do with anything else. So wealth doesn't promise evolution, right? So wealth is just a state of being. And he's tasted it, right? The thing is, he never satiated himself with it. 
So he's stuck. He's stuck in this and this his whole life, wealth and power. He doesn't know who he is well enough, so he never gets out of this little cycle right here. He just stays here, right? So he's, he just stays unevolved. And his desires for this probably are never filled either. Sex, shelter, and food probably never gets filled either. So all of his desires are completely unconsciously being moved through all the time. So that's why his impact is so sour and poisoned. That makes sense? Anyone else? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Well, I'll say this about that. And so the culture is to, our current culture, our modern culture is the very first thing when you come out of the womb. So what happens is in our current society, all of this down here gets corrupted, right? We don't know anything about it. We don't know how, how to unpack ourselves. Psychology is looked down on. You go, have to go to counseling. What's wrong with you? You know, like that kind of thing. And so that's very prevalent in a lot of cultures. And so we don't have any translation for any of this. And so we're lost. And so what happens is, you know what happens? I'll go to the next one. What happens is we try to create before we connect. And so that's why you have shitty companies making stuff and polluting the land and, and doing all this crazy stuff or taking advantage of their employees, right? Because they try to create something out of nothing when they don't have a connection to themselves first. And so your family, the first thing that they'll do is they'll say, hey, what are you going to do around money? Go be a doctor. Go be a lawyer. Go be a nurse. But they won't tell you how to find yourself first. Yes. No, that's fine. The only people that can teach you how to be a man or a woman are spiritual teachers that understand how to see the spiritual world. Nobody else can really teach you that. Everybody else has too many preconceptions. They have to lock onto some kind of definition of what that is, and it's always bullshit. Right? And so to, to expand on this, you have to connect before you create, otherwise you create bullshit. Okay? Just to be real. And so what happens is... You, you get born into a family and say, hey, you got to be Dr. Laurie because we lose all of our security around our creations, around our output. Like our output, this is what we're creating, right? We're, we're, we're building societies. We're building all these things that are amazing and we're providing jobs for people, right? But the security around money is a big issue. And we have to counter that because it drives us by raising children who actually connect before they create and have a spiritual practice. 
Because a spiritual practice is the thing that delineates everything else in your life. It's how you connect. It's how you exercise. It's how you sleep. It's how you have food. You want to eat better when you have a spiritual practice because you feel good about yourself. Does that make sense? And so we have to pull the energy back from our output because this is where all the energy is. If you're going to ramp yourself up for something in life, you've got to ramp yourself up to go to work. Right? Oh, I've got to get up tomorrow morning. I can't afford to go do that spiritual practice or I can't afford to go to yoga or, or whatever it is. Like I don't have the energy for it. Right? Because all of our energy has to be over here in our society. We have to create something. There's a lot of pressure to do it. And that's where you have to study it and say, what is, what is my relationship with my dad? And what is my relationship with with my understanding of my output, because that's where all this begins, right? It's a fear around money and my fear and my struggle around it. That's why. That's exactly why. So imagine this. Let me, let, me put, let me flip it on its head. So imagine if we raised children and that said, hey, you know what? I'm going to let you experience life, and I'll just be here as a guide, and then let you, let you formulate your desires around what you want in life, as opposed to me telling you what life is about and defining it for you. I'm going to let you define it, and I'll be here for when you get in trouble, when you were out too far and you don't feel safe. I'll say, hey, I've been there before. Let me show you with you my experience and what you can do to get yourself out of that or to have a little bit more navigation. But I'm not going to define it for you. I'm going to let you experience it. That makes sense? And then guide them into a spiritual practice where their understanding of themselves, their, their development of that sixth sense gets stronger and stronger so they can start to see the spirit world and see the lessons that are in reality for them. We teach them into, into omens and how to how to uh, interpret those and how to interpret their reality, right? See, that's the way we used to raise children in villages. We used to raise children in villages where we, were, we taught them how to see the omens. We taught them how to view reality and how to see the spirit world and what it meant to learn from that and humble yourself and be in gratitude, right? And, and, and find yourself, find your own desires for yourself, not what somebody else wanted for you, but what do you want for yourself, you know, and help you do that in a social arena, you know what I'm saying? You see what I'm getting at? And that creates something that pulls energy and makes it more, um, more equal. Because right now it's heavily masculine. It's heavily output. It's heavily like, what, what, do you, what are you going to create? Man, you've got to make that money, right? The pressure is over here. We've got to pull that away. We've got to study that and unpack it with, with the help of psychology and whatever else we can get a hold of. And we've got to pull this energy back to a spiritual practice that requires discipline that requires that you get on it and that you really stick with it and it's got to be a spiritual practice that actually what i like to say has legs one that can actually impact your nervous system and how you unpack yourself and it helps you walk through your like the last slide helps you walk through your desires helps you walk through getting and attaining what you want out of life that's fine That's exactly why. Because of this. That's exactly why we're so lost because all of that doesn't unpack any of this shit. 
It, it doesn't do anything for it. And so we never find ourselves. We're always unmoored. And so we walk into the spiritual non-religious realm and we're like, whoa, whoa where? I haven't done any work on myself once I enter this realm, right? I haven't unpacked myself yet. I haven't started to consciously move through my desires or start to understand what it means to taste something and lose the taste for it and then move up to the next realm, right? So that I know my desires are starting to be satiated so that I can move through this, so I can transform. Is this making sense to people? Go ahead. Well, I don't, I don't want a blanket statement, a whole group of people that voted for Trump. I, I will say, though, um, that, and I'm, I'm neither liberal nor, nor conservative, I really don't care. I just look at evolution and I look at energy and I look at where it's at. You know what I'm saying? And it's, yeah, yes, and, and I get that. And it's a concern of mine, too. I'm like, holy fuck, half the nation is like, you know, crazy. But it's, you know, but, but I, I know, I know it's not. But, but, but anyway, and it's, it isn't that I really think that. It's just that when you, when you start to move through this, the, the problem with that is what they bought into is a need, right? There's an innate need and something that was defined up here for much of our civilization because, see, so what's happened is we're moving from the Piscean Age into the Aquarian Age, right? The Piscean Age was heavily patriarchal, heavily patriarchal. I mean... All the mysteries and stuff like this was hidden. You couldn't reach it. You couldn't teach it. You couldn't, like even the energy to move in it was very hard. You know, all that stuff. You had to go to mystery schools and let them completely mind wipe you and you'd come out not knowing who you are in order to even achieve something. You know, that kind of thinking. You had to travel to India in order to have anything. You know, that kind of stuff. And so um, now we've moved on into the Aquarian Age. Now, now there's still a big left, leftover from the Piscean Age where it's all heavily patriarchal. And people still think in that direction. So they still think that a heavy-handed, authoritative male figure can guide and lead more than someone who actually senses into themselves and is more shamanic. Does that make sense? And so because we have no clue about any of this in the general population, right? We don't understand what a shamanic movement looks like. We don't understand what the old ways are. We don't understand what it is to study ourselves truly. Then we just kind of go with the very first thing that was defined as a primal source inside of ourselves that this is an authoritative man that can take care of us. And so we're going to bind to the daddy thing. That makes sense? So that's what's happened for many, many people. And it still happens for all of us on a consistent basis in all kinds of cultures. It isn't just the people who voted for Trump. I know all kinds of cultures that are like, man, the man's the man. You know what I'm saying? It isn't just people who vote for Trump. People in third world countries are like this that I know of, some cultures. Uh, people in America, there are some cultures here in America that are that way, you know, uh, among us all. And so it's, 
it's a widespread thing that is still kind of a poison that's running through us because we left it all behind a very, very long time ago when we stopped living in villages, what it means to live a shamanic life, what it means to have true power and allow the energy to guide us. And that's the definition of a man or a woman or a non-binary person who has mastery of both the masculine and the feminine energies within themselves. And that's true power. That's when you actually have a hold of something where you can create your life from it. You have love engaged and you can change people's lives and have real impact. Make sense? So juxtaposition of the different definitions and what's in people's psyche today, you see the difference. And that's why someone like Trump gets elected is because he is the authoritative dad that can really take care of us. That's what we understand as power, but it's not. Okay, I think that kind of takes up our time. Um, I'm here for questions and anything else that you would need. I'm starting a, a new course. Um, this is kind of the, the rudimentary parts of the course. We go, uh, I've, I've reached all kinds of new information now and we're going really, really deep this next offering. But this will be the fourth offering of a, a depth course that I teach called Spiritual Self Mastery. And we're meeting on the 15th at the Center for Love and Light at 11 o'clock. It is free to anyone that has to come, but you do have to RSVP because there's limited seating. So my first group course is going to be free. Um, I offered it first to my, my former classmates, but they haven't filled it up quite yet. So there's still some room if anybody here wants to come and just experience the, the next ledge that we're going to drop everybody off of after this. So, um, but anyway... That's all I've got. So thank you so much for coming. This episode was produced by Kirsten Hedges and produced and edited by Georgie Harris. For more information, visit us at modernmysticshop.com and click on Sunday School.